What's the future of Savannah Mall? How's the city of Savannah going to attract a new police chief? What challenges does our region face as it relates to the Hyundai Auto Plant and EV Battery Factory? City Talk's Bill Doors joins the Commute Podcast today to discuss. From savannahnow.com, this is the Commute Podcast presented by National Office Systems. I'm Adam Van Bremer, opinion columnist and a deputy editor at the Savannah Morning News and the host of this twice-weekly podcast focused on news and happenings in and around Savannah. Today is Tuesday, July the 21st. City Talk columnist Bill Doors is here, and he's ready to dig into several topics. Right after I tell you about our sponsor, National Office Systems. National Office Systems has been the commute's benefactor since we launched this podcast, and they've been in business much longer than that, going all the way back to the 1980s. In those early days, National Office Systems was the last office outfitter in the country to carry office furniture from both of the industry's leaders, Herman Miller and Knoll. Now, a couple of decades later, those furniture companies are collaborating on a new product line, and National Office Systems is one of the first to offer Miller Knoll furniture. In addition to Miller Knoll, National Office Systems remains the leaders in the office design and outfitting sector by offering dirt modular interiors, OFS furniture, and 200 other product lines. Learn more by visiting www.natoffices.com. That's www.natoff.com. SYS.com. Joined on the commute by my always my favorite guest, and that's Bill Doors with the City Talk column. And we get together several times a year and, and kind of bat back and forth the latest goings on in the city of Savannah. And we have no shortage of things in, in this sitting. A lot has happened since the last time Bill and I talked. Uh, but let's start with the most recent stuff, and that's uh, Savannah Mall is going up for auction. Uh, if my property records searching talents are accurate, the current owners paid $9 million for it. They have put it up for auction with a minimum bid of $2.5 million. So that's a bit of a haircut, to say the least. Um, I know there's some complications out there in terms of leases for the few tenants that they do have. When you look at that Savannah Mall property, what is... Well, you look at Savannah Mall property through your crystal ball. What do you see? Well, I mean, the crystal ball, <laughs> I mean, I think somebody will, I think probably in the short term, um, it will be sold to a developer. I am not going to guess the price, but it's going to go more than that 2.5 starting. Um, but less than the nine. Um, I, I, I will see. We'll see. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Because I, I, I think, I think what we're going to see, I think the first buyer is going to be um, basically another investor. Right. Um, you know, I think it's going to be somebody who then looks to take their time and kind of create some opportunities because, you know, the biggest problem, and this is where, you know, any type of prognostication just becomes so difficult. Um, the biggest problem is that the sale isn't the entire 70 some odd acre site, right? right? I mean, we're really just talking about the central section of the mall. Um, we're not talking about, you know, all of the properties, you know, on, on, on the fringes. We're not talking about all the out parcels. We're not talking about the, the Target and Dillard's properties. We've got Bass Pro in there with, um, I think, um, you know, a, a lease that doesn't go on too much longer. But right. by all accounts, you know, they seem very successful there and, you know, would have 
would a new owner want to come in and kick out a, a really high quality tenant if they want to stay and if they want to sign up for a, a multi-year lease? Um, you know, and, and you know, in a recent column, I brought up again <laughs> the the really, really, you know, just great proposal that came out of the Congress for the New Urbanism a few years ago, one of their legacy projects, basically for free. They did, you know, this group of consultants did this kind of wonderful sort of rethinking of, of you know, this suburban mall and what it could look like. Um, you know, and they kind of overlaid that that space, um, that, that the whole site, they overlaid it over like a map of part of downtown. Um, and there's just, it's, you know, you start to look at, and not that it needs to, to be like downtown, but it just, you just get a sense of the, the scale and you get a sense of just how much space is just devoted to, you know, just these big parking lots. And currently how much is devoted to just a, a mall that has very little acti economic activity being generated on the inside mm -hmm. in the main part of it. Um, but it would be really hard to think about, you know, like, significantly redeveloping and rethinking the uses, it would just be really hard without having more of the property. Right. The sale, I think, is uh, 43 acres of the 70 some odd, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, and, and this is what I, I, I mean, if I, were, if I were an investor and developer with kind of the capital and the time to work on this, I would be looking at, um, you know, getting the property you can get now then try to get more of it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the more of it you can get, then it becomes more practical to think about actually demolishing part of it. Um, you're working with the city to like get some new streets in, get some new you know street fronts, um, get mixed use in, get residential in. Um, you know, because I, I I question whether anybody is going to be able to find in this in this climate um, retail, commercial, business tenants to fill up that huge space. Um, that's just not where our economy is right now. And the one thing we, we know we need is, is housing. Right. And this is part of the Congress for New Ur the New Urbanism Plan was to really you know, reimagine it as a mixed use um, kind of neighborhood with more commercial uses toward Abercorn um, and working with the city to kind of rethink transportation out there too. Um, you know, and it, so there's just, I feel like there's so much potential, but I don't, I don't, I, I, I have a very hard time looking at that site and seeing how somebody does anything like that in a very creative way without assembling more of the parcels, you know, like the Chatham County libraries, the Southwest or the one of, one of the, one of the library branches is out there. And across, uh, across the road, you have an empty old Kroger. So you have plenty um, of opportunities. And I think that Kroger, isn't that Kroger? Uh, um, I think I think that's becoming storage. Oh, is it really? Yeah, oh, which I may is have misspoken. Which, which, well, you know, but but you know that that's not a use that needs to be a long term use. I mean, right. somebody could could change that idea quickly. Right. Um, but you know, it it it, it kind of speaks to I think how you know just the years that that Kroger was sitting there empty. Um, and, you know, and then you get a, a storage facility, which is a, certainly a viable business, but it's not something that's going to enhance quality of life on the south side. Um, you know, I mean, it just sort of speaks to the difficulty of, of finding tenants for these large commercial spaces. Um, and and, juxt even the, and, juxt and juxtapose that with what's going down at Oglethorpe, right? They're building uh, all of that housing as part of uh, a, a re-envisioning of Oglethorpe, right? Right. And, and it... Um, and 
on the Ogothor Mall site, the you know they, they're using that Sears end, right? Um, and that that housing really fits really well there if it's built as kind of designed and planned. And it's still going to have the out parcels um, up toward Abercorn and um, you know White Bluff. There, White it's still going to have the out parcels that'll be um, commercial. But um, you know, you're just you're, you're really just kind of taking part of the mall and you're turning part of that property into what will be very, very conveniently located apartments. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and this is another problem though, of course, with the Savannah mall is, you know, from the very beginning, it was never as convenient mm -hmm. as Oglethorpe mall. I mean, it's for people in town, it's farther out. Um, but now with growth in West Chatham, Pooler, other parts of the County, um, you know, that, that, I mean, that mall is convenient to the South side and Georgetown. Yeah. Richmond Hill. Uh, I know a Richmond lot of Richmond Hill, Hill people come in. Yeah. Right. Uh, but what is your population base and on a daily basis is able to support that mall, especially in the, you know, these days of, of the mall business model, just not working very well anymore. Yeah. Plus um, anybody, anybody there is going to have to compete with Walmart and Aldi's, which is right, right there now too. So right. That right. shrinks right. your. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm glad that Alderman Curtis Pertee is pushing the idea of, you know, the city getting, you know, directly involved. I think at the end of the day, that's probably not the best site for city services and things like that. But, but, you know, I mean, the city of Savannah bought the fairgrounds property just so they yeah. could control its fate. Um, the city of Savannah is, as we have discussed, thinking of spending tens of millions of dollars on the civic center site and, you know, putting city offices and revamping the Mercer and, and then they're going to be committed then to a, a massively expensive new parking garage. If they do the new city office, yeah. uh, you know, it, you know, so you, you start looking at some of the other decisions that the city of Savannah has made in terms of property acquisition development or in the case of the civic center site just keeping it and using it for uses that will not be taxable the idea of buying this part of the savannah mall site suddenly looks like not so crazy at all compared to other things now that doesn't mean it's necessarily a good idea <laughs> but compared to other things it's it's you know they it's it it creates some good avenues for discussion yes. about what we want to see on that site and where and where people want you know, city offices to be, mm -hmm. you know, I, it, it, it creates a lane for conversation there that I think could be fruitful. Yes. I certainly in this town, we love to converse. So you mentioned city decisions and I guess uh, another big thing the city is grappling with right now is crime, uh, gun violence in particular. And in the middle of that, you have the police chief, in my opinion, finally uh, overdue stepping down. That's no secret that I've lost a lot of confidence in Roy Minter long ago, just from watching in, in, in the way he does business and, and seeing how a uh, very downward spiral in terms of SPD, in terms of morale, in terms of numbers, in terms of a lot of things. Uh, Minter stepped down. His last day on the job is coming later this month. They're about to uh, relaunch or not relaunch. They're about to launch a search for a new police chief. I think I, I'm safe to say we both saw this coming at some point now that it's here. What are your, your thoughts and hopes in terms of the future of uh, law enforcement in the city of Savannah? Well, you know, I, it, A, I agree with your sentiments. It took us too long to get to this point. 
Um, you know, you look at the, the lack of confidence among the public, the, you know, surveys of the, of, you know, officers and, you know, just this, not only the, the, the slight uptick in crime, um, in violent crime, the more, um, more kind of higher profile shootings, you know, these shootings in the city market and, you know, uh, but then, uh, you know, add into that, um, you know, all the, all the, the, the officer involved shootings over the last uh, year, year and a half, whatever it's been, um, you know, I, I seven think, months, even less than that, like December, yeah. we've had all of these things. Um, it, um, you know, I, I feel like it was definitely overdue and I'm um, just as a political matter, totally puzzled by Mayor Johnson and a few other aldermen, you know, continuing to speak so highly of, of Roy Minter. I mean, maybe they really like think that highly of him and his work, but it, as a political matter, that, that was a, the, the, not a good call. Um, and it looks very out of touch. Um, and, you know, they, they were, you know, the effusiveness in, in praise of him just was do that privately. If you, that's right. what you feel right. as a political matter, that just hit the wrong note. Um, and well, I think, it depends I think, on your viewpoint, right? Because I think they, they would say, if we were to corner them, they would say it's going to be hard enough to attract a new police chief. If we don't show support for this, that's going to handicap us in attracting another candidate. I, it's a valid argument. They, valid argument. Um, I, I, I don't agree with it, but valid argument. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, clearly the, we just seen, you know, better morale in the ranks and, and, you know, we gun violence on the streets and gun violence in our neighborhoods and communities is just really, really hard to solve. Um, and there are various programs, there are various initiatives, there are certainly things that can work. Uh, but when you have a, a local culture where so many people have guns and so many disputes are are settled with, you know, the possibility of a gun being handy, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to continue to have higher violent crime than we would like. Right. Um, I mean, I guess the 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 issues are, do we have confidence that that at least all the people in the chain are doing everything they can, you know, to kind of. It, and right now, people don't have that confidence, right? So we need a we need a, a new chief that will inspire kind of confidence, will improve morale in the ranks, inspire confidence in the community, and you know. And then I don't know whether we need innovative new anti-violence programs. Um, you know, I, I mean, I maybe what we have is is workable with the right amount of morale, with better staffing. Um, so you know, I. I I'm not sure where, um, you know, where we find the right person to do all of these things. Um, sometimes, you know, the force ends up hiring from within, sometimes from without. Um, you know, a, Jay Melder, the city manager, he certainly seems to be taking it all seriously. Um, and I think he knows this is this is super important. Um, but what are your thoughts on it? Savannah had a hard time attracting good city manager candidates. We got lucky. Quite frankly, I think we got incredibly lucky with, with Jay, with Jay Melder coming along in the second round of, of interviews. You know, there was a big push to hire uh, Odie Donald from the first round. 
they don't hire him. He goes to Augusta, and now he's already left Augusta. He's now working as the chief of staff for Andre Dickens in Atlanta. So the whole idea that, that we were close to hiring him, uh, we dodged a not to use a bad cliche, but we dodged a bullet on on that one, and we're very fortunate in the second round to get Jay Melder. I just wonder uh, what kind of challenges we're going to face in terms of advertising and trying to attract the police chief, because not only do you have you're going to have to come in, you're going to have to put your own house in order at a time when you've also got to build some confidence and build some trust in the public. And at the same time, you've also got a broader distrust of law enforcement, like it or not, uh, coming stemming from what has happened the last couple of years in terms of social justice. And then you've got a, you've got a council that yeah, granted you work for the city manager, but Council is not going to not weigh in and not uh, review and evaluate and offer praise and criticism for how you're doing your job. They 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 did that with Mentor um, repeatedly. So I think it's a tough sell. Uh, I I don't know I don't know enough about law enforcement circles and and hiring and the firings to to really say no. They're gonna it's gonna be impossible. But I certainly think it's gonna be difficult. Um, I do know from talking to some law enforcement people that there are three key, it's a three-legged stool. And if you have the confidence, uh, you need to have the confidence of the community. You need to have the confidence of your bosses and you need to have the confidence of your uh, police force. And if you lose two of those, you're in trouble. And Mentor lost at least two of those. And, you know, that's, that's, if I'm, from the outside looking in and trying to decide if I'm going to take this job, that whole situation, just the complexity of it gives me a lot of pause. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know anything more than you do on, on kind of how, what that market looks like in law enforcement circles, but, um, just add another wrinkle, um, you know, given the next year is an election year in the city of Savannah, that could even be more reason for a quality candidate to think, twice before before hitting send on that application and i think that's why melder has set a deadline of the end of this year he wants it taken care of before it can become too political with the election right pardon the interruption here i promise we'll get back to the city talk and build doors here in a moment i'd like to take this opportunity to speak to those listeners who are interested in savannah and georgia related content beyond this podcast i assume that's most everybody listen to this podcast you're into that stuff so for those who fit that bill who crave more we offer the savannah town square newsletter we recently relaunched this weekly email newsletter focused on savannah now's opinion content i pushed out the latest edition just this morning this week's newsletter centers on republican u.s senate candidate herschel walker sign up for the newsletter by visiting savannahnow.com newsletters and click subscribe next to savannah town square and you don't need to be a print or digital subscriber to the newspaper or savannahnow.com to receive the newsletter, so there's no excuses not to do it. No investment. Just click and sign up. Enjoy. Hopefully you'll really dig it and you'll decide to subscribe. You know how to do it. Now, back to the discussion with City Talk columnist Bill Doors. All right. Uh, last order of business I wanted to talk to you about was we've had a, a pretty big development here since the last time we talked, and that's the announcement around the Hyundai electric vehicle plant on the Bryan County megasite, promising 8,000 jobs and 
probably a couple of thousand more in terms of suppliers. Obviously, we have uh, housing issues here. We have infrastructure issues here. We don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth in terms of this, this could really be a game changer for our area, but we have a lot of challenges between now and the planned opening in 2025. If you had to sit here and say, these are the top two, three, five things that we need to get our heads around between now and then, what are they? Well, I mean, um, first, I mean, this is great news, right? 8,000 quality jobs, you know, good pain, good benefits, right? Um, the, um, and I haven't fully gotten my head around this either, but we got to figure out kind of where, where are these people going to live? Are they people who are already here? Where are they living now? Um, how many more residential units, developments will be needed? And, and where are those people going to look? Because I, I don't, I don't, there, there are a lot of options. Um, you know, there's uh, within relative proximity to the, to the site, you've got Bryan County, you've got Effingham County, you've got, you know, especially New the New Hampstead area of Chatham County. And then, as I noted in a column a while ago, it's really not that far to even go counties further west. Yeah. Um, you know, there Brooklyn, might be. Brooklyn. Yeah, um, right yeah. You know, I could I could absolutely imagine a savvy developer, um, you know, touting their their distance. And, and the fact that you'd probably be traveling opposite a lot of other people, you know, it'd be a, you know, it'd be could be an easy commute to some of those communities out West in a way that it wouldn't be to come back in this way. Um, You know, but um, so I, and, and, and then of course that piece of it then ties over into just the, the more general transportation piece. Um, Now, presumably, you know, this isn't something that I don't know who's going to be on the hook for it. I presume the state or federal government, um, you know, I, I, I think there'll be a new exit off I-16. Yes, I there seen, is one. There is one. Right. Okay. So, um, you know, will that be ready? <laughs> you know, will that even be like begun by the time this plant is open? Because they're on a really tight timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like um, that'll that'll be kind of critical, I think, to the whole the whole sort of housing and transportation piece. Um, but uh, because we're talking about so many different counties. It's it's difficult to know from a from a public policy perspective, you know, what should each what do these various counties need to do to think about infrastructure upgrades or think about zoning changes or thinking about kind of housing developments. Mm-hmm. Now, it might be that the plant, you know, even though it's even though it's coming online with a lot of jobs really fast, it might be that, you know, it's it's happening just slowly enough. Right. And it might be that there are enough of those people who are going to be those first employees who are already here, who are already housed somewhere, even if they have longer commutes, they're just going to deal with it. And then we might see new people and new home buyers and new renters just kind of begin to kind of naturally disperse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it may be fine. You know, it may just all kind of happen. But I mean, that's a you know, I hear people complain about the traffic on 16 all the time, you know, Savannah up to at least, you know, to Statesboro and then Macon and, and beyond. Um, I mean, it's going to be a lot of traffic that we're just not used to and not prepared for. Um, it's going to be uh, you know, just a lot of disruption. Um, but it's also a, a lot of jobs 
Job said, frankly, right now we we don't have enough people to fill. Right. Um, you know, the the number of payroll jobs in the metro area has continued to grow. Mm-hmm. The workforce has continued to grow. The unemployment is is super low. Um, the workforce participation rate is is very strong, uh, especially given the demographics of the baby boomer generation re- retiring, and given some early retirements of the pandemic. Um, as I've noted in columns numerous times, there just isn't evidence that there's this huge cohort of people out there just sitting around not working. Um, you know, there people are working, people have jobs, um, and you know, this will also, and this is, you know, again, just something that I, I, I maybe it will all just come out in the wash, um, but you know, the making the labor market even tighter. Um, you know, is going to continue to kind of drive up wages, um, which is frankly just good news for a whole lot of people in the Savannah area. Yeah. You know, I mean, if some of these, you know, I mean, we've seen a, I haven't seen good data, but clearly we've seen an increase in service industry wages. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think those are going to have to keep going up if, if the service industry, hospitality, if they're going to, if they're going to have employees, if they're going to, they're going to have to keep, you know, pushing those up. Um, and I think that's good news for everybody. If they keep filling hotels at $300 a night and then they keep selling meals at whatever the per head is at a higher rate, then that's good. I mean, that, that should be shared with rank and file and, right. and that's just the natural evolutions of things. It's interesting is uh, I get asked since Hyundai was announced, I'm asked by a lot of people who are like, well, can you kind of wrap, can you imagine what it's going to be like here in 10 years or 15 years? And I tell them, I, I said, been here just a little over two decades and it's amazing. It's just, I, I would have never dreamed two decades ago that I've, I've seen the changes that I've seen just in those two decades. I look at the next decade and it's just, I, I can't, I can't imagine it. It's it, especially once you get out West, you get into Bryan County, you know, we had, um, Latrice Williams in talking about Bryan County growth on a recent podcast and just all the developments going on around Richmond Hill and how that, like you said, it's just, it's, it's going to start to creep West and creep West and creep North and come up into Effingham and Springfield and out to Brooklyn and probably over to Claxton. It's just all these areas that, that we see the name of the town on the sign when we fly by on the interstate, those are your next big growth areas. And it's just, it's kind of hard to fathom that that 10 years from now that's savannah metro is going to be a lot more than what we think of it as today yeah and you know and i i wish i had more confidence that that all these various counties and all these various municipalities and all these various you know planning organizations were thinking about this development in smart ways in terms of a transportation Mm -hmm. which is almost in all cases going to be people driving Mm -hmm. there's very little evidence that there's any great will to expand transit mm-hmm. um, anywhere, <laughs> really. Mm-hmm. Um, and But also in terms of kind of these long-term commitments to infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, when you start seeing a lot of development, a lot of new neighborhoods, you know, you're talking about uh, very large investments, uh, tax dollars going into new infrastructure. And all that new infrastructure is eventually going to be old infrastructure. It's going to need maintenance and replacement. Um, You and I won't be around having this conversation by the time a lot of that happens, but, Mm -hmm. but somebody will, and somebody's going to find themselves 
you know, saddling huge burdens, huge costs to support neighborhoods that don't really even have all that many people, um, you know, and paying for, for new roads and new water lines and new sewers and new, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I just, uh, I, you know, I just feel like we need, a as a public policy, you know, from the public policy perspective, we need, you know, just kind of a better understanding of what these commitments mean. You know, there's a piece in the paper today or online today at Savannah Now about, um, you know, the city annexing stuff so fast. Yeah, out in the uh, West. Out in the West. Uh, yeah. West and, you know, and again, I, um, you know I, there, I don't think there's any guarantee that those annexa- annexations are, are smart long-term policies for the city. Um, I mean, they, they need water and they sewer. Are. They need they, water and sewer, so therefore the city will, the city will take the tax money, right? Yeah, and I, I remember having this conversation, and it was uh, kind of one of the regrets of like in me writing my columns was, you know, all the all those years ago when New Hampstead was mm-hmm. you know being hyped and hyped and hyped, and everybody was convinced. Everybody I was talking to was convinced it was all going to happen really fast. And the city of Savannah spent $20 million on new infrastructure in areas of New Hampstead that for many years ended up being like basically blocked off and totally, totally deserted. Yeah. Pipe <laughs> um, farms, just pipes coming out of the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, and, um, but that was, you know, the, the city officials thinking in those days was annexation is always going to be good. Uh, new land, let's put in new infrastructure, the growth will come, you know, and, and clearly um, that, you know, now, Maybe that's now going to happen, right? Maybe that's now going to, like that area is now going to maybe come to fruition. Um, but, you know, you start really thinking about those costs, though, and especially, you know, in the county's TSPLOS proposal is yeah. tens of millions for a little neck road, yeah. right? The school, the school board went in and, it, you know, put, the, put a high school out there before there was population in the area to, to warrant it. The city put in infrastructure 15 years before um, the vast majority of it was ever needed. Um, and now here we are facing the huge costs um, to go in and now improve Little Neck Road. Um, and I, I don't know whether taxpayers, that any of that makes sense for taxpayers, um, especially, especially now given gas prices um, and with very little prospect of them falling back to where they where they once were. Yeah. Foresight and comprehensive approach are sorely lacking in our area. They probably always have been. They probably always will be. Uh, uh, that makes it fun for us to talk about though. So <laughs> yeah. Bill, I'm going to leave it there. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about Hyundai and, and the growth that's coming out of it here in the country. Yeah, I'm curious to see how fast they go, if they really are able to stick to their timeline. I mean, they seem committed to it, but if they want all those, if they want all those vehicles, if they want to be competitive in the market, I think they're going to have to be. Right. So the, that'll, uh, be, that'll be the telltale. Going to be interesting to watch. Yep. All right. Well, Bill, always good to talk to you. Thanks. For, yeah, thanks, uh, Adam. Time. That's all for the Tuesday Commute Podcast. Thanks one last time to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Before I sign off, remember that we publish new commute episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Whatever your interests, you will find interviews of interest in our archives. Search The Commute with that Savannah Opinion on your favorite podcast app. The Commute returns on Thursday when we talk to Georgia Southern Economics Professor Michael Toma. We talk to him yeah, three, four, five times a year about the economic outlook. Uh, the latest one is out. I'm sure you'll, you'll want to hear it because it's 
pretty heady stuff in terms of inflation, in terms of the local housing market, in terms of the local economy. Make sure you put it on your calendar. You want to listen on Thursday. Anyway, we will talk to you. Later.